Good evening and welcome to Psychedelic Healing. I am your host, Sonia Cotto, nurse anesthesiologist and mental health advocate here to talk about psychedelic healing. Tonight, my guest is a renowned psychotherapist and psychoanalyst specializing in a diverse range of therapeutic approaches. She's based in Connecticut and Manhattan in New York. She provides in-person and virtual sessions for individuals of all ages, races, ethnicities, and anything that you can think of. She is a dedicated professional whose expertise spans relational, trauma-informed, and psychedelic treatment modalities. She excels in working with teens, adults, and couples, offering support in areas such as EMDR, trauma treatment, psychedelic harm reduction and integration, ketamine-assisted psychotherapy, as well as addressing mood disorders, life transitions, adjustment, and relationship uh, issues. Let's welcome Nikki Fall. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for all your work. I'm so happy to have you on here tonight. I have interviewed so many people that, you know, not only are working in the underground with different, you know, psychedelics, I'm happy to have someone working above ground doing with a license and trained. So I'm going to pick your brain, you know, but my first question obviously always starts with how you were pulled towards psychedelics. And if you've ever had experiences with that, that actually got you towards, you know, working towards that uh, specialty. Yeah. So I feel like I've been living under a psychoanalytic rock for a long time, just studying psychoanalysis, all of the relational literature for such a long time that yeah. all of this wonderful work that has been happening in the, in the uh, psychedelic space has really been off my radar for years and years and years. I had no idea what is going on. And a lot of my colleagues who are working psychoanalytically uh, ask me questions, right? How do you work with patients? What is going on? So I always realized how, how, how small this world really is in the psychedelic space. So I came across it by chance, really, through continuing education, looking around and seeing a, a weekend seminar on it or a, a conference. And I was really surprised by seeing this topic emerge above ground, completely legal. And it piqued my interest right away because it is something that I've been reading up on very extensively when I was younger, when I was a teenager. So reading Aldous Huxley, being really interested in um, the unconscious. I've been reading Freud probably since I was 12 years old. So this whole space of exploring the unconscious and, and reading about hippie culture and LSD, like I was always fascinated <laughs> in it. Wow, wow. So you were on that path from very young then. Yeah, it's like, oh my gosh, really? There's substances, people do this. This is amazing, right? Pro but professionally then for a long time, it was completely off my radar, as I mentioned. How long were you in practice before you discovered it? Oh, for a long time. I've been in practice for 20 years. And this has emerged maybe over like maybe two years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. So very fresh. So it, it is. It is very fresh. But once I stumbled upon it, it was almost like a like an awakening. I'm like, oh my gosh, it is all coming together. It's full circle. I was so inspired, almost like electricity flowing through my body as I was oh, nice. taking in this conference. I could not believe it. And I have not, <laughs> I have not put a book down. 
on psychedelics since then. So it's been really from nothing to completely immersed. And it, it's, it's been a wonderful journey since then, full head on. <laughs> I enrolled wow. in training right away, started engaging with the community, reading books, research, and I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe that all of this has been out there. Mm-hmm controlled right by the war on drugs and all of this misinformation that i'm still dealing with uh to this day of course right stigma right just educating i'm sure anytime you have a patient that is asking about it or you mention it they probably freak out and not just patients patients are surprisingly open i would say i haven't had any um any uncomfortable conversations it is i would say more in a therapeutic community so sometimes when I when I post my approach or people ask, you know, colleagues ask like, oh, I have a child who is suicidal, right? And the parents don't know what to do. And I will answer, well, have you looked into ketamine, right? I sometimes get crucified, right? I'm like, How can you suggest this? And this is so dangerous. And yeah, people don't know. So it takes a lot of a lot of education, right? Yeah. And, and actually, and you can bring it to their attention too that ketamine is actually one of the number one anesthetics that we use for pediatrics because I use it all the time when I'm going to do pediatrics. Mm-hmm. So are you going to sit there and let like a little two, three-year-old here, here, start my IV in my hand? No, <laughs> you know? know. So. No, absolutely. Which is why I'm part of an amazing working group. It's a U.S. group with pediatric surgeons, nurses, therapists, all dedicated to working with teens. So we have this network and we're currently working on developing processes and education to open stigma and to help parents and to, yeah, to start getting information out to hopefully get more prescribers and to make this treatment more accessible to kids. Who are, who are saying like, yes, all of these pediatric, right? Like surgeons are wow. saying like, oh my gosh, right? This is just nuts because we use it safely every day, right? And here are kids, teens who are suicidal, right? Are, are in a psych ER and are just put in a room without any help, you know, sitting there for 24 hours unsupervised and not getting any care and, and all of this information is spreading. So... Yeah, I'm very dedicated to helping find a process and spreading news and case studies and my research with kids. Um, I know MAPS is planning on, on a trial, but not until 2025 that hopefully I can be part of. I applied. Oh, that would be amazing. And, you know, and with pediatrics, that's the crazy part. I mean, going into like the psychotherapy aspect, even in adults, a lot of the psychiatric issues, the ongoing, were started in adolescence. The stories and the traumas were adolescence. If you can reach them at yeah. that young age before all the damage is like, you know, because every decision we make in our life is based on the stories that we tell ourselves, right? So treating a 40-year-old, hey, if you could have treated them when they were 18, when everything all started, imagine what was possible for them. I know. And- I know. I see it because I do work. I do work with teens, and I've um, shared some of, some of my work at the recent psychedelic conference at Wonderland in Miami. So we had a panel. Oh, beautiful! Um, practitioners to start spreading the word, and so I've I've shared. Yes, it's it's really beautiful. It's really beautiful to see uh, kids overcoming 
some of their struggles early on, but it also comes with challenges because unlike adults who are more independent, living on their own, right? These kids mm -hmm. are going through more clarity, seeing more clearly what is happening, and they're still living at home. So there's some oh. this emerging, right? And really seeing the dysfunction sometimes that is happening in the family and when the parents are a little resistant sometimes to the change, right? And are just hoping, oh, here's someone helping my kid, right? And the kid is the problem. Yeah. The whole family then gets pulled in. And I've seen kids, and I've heard this from colleagues as well who are working with kids, that there is at some point a pulling back, right? Because it's just too much. Mm -hmm. So, oh my gosh, right? Like, yes, I'm, I'm getting better. But now I'm really disappointed because I see... My parents act in a certain way and they're not as aware as I am. What do I do with this? I have to live with this, right? But what do I do? And so what do you do? Yeah. How do you help them? Well, you either try to get the parents on board, right? To turn it into a family process. But I've also had cases where that unfortunately was not possible. So you do see what I call like an early emancipation process almost. Just like as adults, right? When we come to terms with uh, letting go of attachment and living more in our authenticity, and we have this moment of pain, right? Of like, I'm not holding on to this ideal anymore, and I'm, I'm letting go of that, and I'm speaking my truth. You see that happening, or I see that happening with kids, where they become just very honest and say, like, Yeah, I'm just going to do my thing, and I just have to accept that my parents can't be there along for the ride, and. So I will just focus my growth in other areas, find friends, wow. engage more in clubs at school, find a teacher as a mentor, right? So they're looking for what they need in other places. Okay. Well, I never thought about that. Yeah. So a little bump in the road, right? It's really scary. As, yeah, as still the, dependent on the person that's yeah. causing those stories. Wow. Yeah. Right? Because they don't have the ability to pack up and leave, right? They have to deal with what's in front of them and okay. with those defenses being taken down and those symptoms no longer shielding them from the truth, right? A lot comes up that is hard to handle. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to look at that because I do treat pediatrics. It's very difficult. There's a lot of clinics that don't treat pediatrics. I think I've treated the youngest as 14, Although I'm sure at any age, you know, we can help, but it's it's eye-opening. So thank you to to note that I might have to work with that as a support, you know, if that ever comes up, if it is the parents, you know, or in the environment at home. Yeah. And that is the work that we're putting in place with this wonderful group to put information together, to put educational information together, to develop CAP programs that bring the parents along early on and that is what I'm trying to do in my work as well so when I work with you know teens who are 18 so they legally can get the ketamine from a lot of prescribers but they're still in high school or living at home I try to get the parents in as early as possible and say like look right this is not just your kid going through it there's change that is going to emerge and it's important for you to understand the process right and working together and being prepared for what might come up oh I would love that resource as well so that I can speak with the all parents. in the work. We're all putting it yes. faith on. Oh, I love it. Pioneering work that we're doing because yeah, there's not a whole lot out yet. But yeah. So when you're talking about the ketamine assisted psychotherapy, so I know that there's different there's 
different options in that where you can do the infusion or do sublingual or IM and then do the therapy afterwards, or there's lower dose that you can do it while on the medicine. What do you find is most successful or that patients prefer or that you find that the patients do the best with? Yeah. I mean, so far in my work, I've come to realize for myself that it's not so much um, the method of administration necessarily, but the relationship that I'm able to enter with with the client. And so I find huge differences depending on whether I already have an established relationship with a client who has done deep work, who's gone through the process of establishing a relationship with me, right, and then enters ketamine or psychedelic process versus people who come only for CAP, right? And sometimes I notice that there is a rejection of therapy. Sometimes people have tried it and it hasn't helped, right? So they're really putting all of their eggs into the medicine. Mm -hmm. Even though they're saying there's no expectation, but there's hesitancy, right? Like, oh, let me just jump into the medicine, right? Like, I don't really want to spend money on therapy and so there's that experience that I have. And then people who go to clinics for either IM or infusions, right, and are sometimes not prepared at all about how to work with the experience and then call and say like, oh, I heard there's such a thing as integration, right, and then come. Wow. And That's what I noticed. Yeah, I've noticed that there are a lot of clinics. I'm based here in South Florida, and I actually learned about ketamine in 2019, 2020. That's kind of the same time that you did. And even now the clinics are not offering integration. They're not offering the support. And, and not just, ketamine is a catalyst, but not yeah, exactly. a replacement. Exactly. And it's not just the integration. It's not that, yeah, to me, it's not just the integration. It's, it's also the preparation. Mm -hmm. It's the trust in the therapist, you know, the comfort, the knowing how to journey, the clarity around intentions that true understanding of expectations that we bring. And I always hear people say, I don't have any expectations. <laughs> oh, yes, you do. <laughs> right? And then they have the first experience or the second experience, right? And then you really see how frustrations coming up or people don't understand the experience, right? When I can see, especially when I know people, it's like, uh-uh, you got exactly, right? Yeah. You got to taste exactly where you are, your unwillingness to solve, right? Or to let go it just magnifies it. I see it all the time. Yes. When they fight the experience and fight all of it, and then they're disappointed. And it's like, this is just a reflection. Yeah. 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 And maybe this is right, just my point of view. Other people may feel very differently about it. But given that I am a relational psychoanalyst, right, I always, I always bring a lot of relationship into how I view the process, right? And not just what is said. But what is the field, right, that gets created between two people? What do you pick up on, right? And so when I even enter the ketamine process, it's such a powerful experience for me. And I feel that something is missing when people only come to me, right, but had the experience at a clinic, I almost feel like I, I missed something because I feel like I'm in the process with them as they're journeying. Like I can almost tell, right, like whether there's like a heaviness like in their head or whether they're Right, like have like 
childhood or rebirth experiences like like you just enter like this relational space with them and it's really powerful of what happens right oh it is so powerful actually and we reflect it with our integration coach at home yeah it is so powerful of, of what happens so i'm a firm believer in that it's not just the ketamine but it is what is happening between therapist and the patient right and we get to spend three hours of this intimate time with people, right? I mean, as a regular therapist, you never have that luxury. That's 45 minutes, you know, week to week. And all of a sudden, you have the sacred space of spending three hours together in this connected space. And there's so much change that comes out of it. I have like people still coming out of ketamine and saying things that, you know, in, previously in, in relationship with therapy, they've not been able to say, you know, just really bursting out with relationship questions and, and this connecting and wanting to connect. And there's so much healing going on just in, in relationship. Yeah, no, I definitely feel ketamine has that love frequency, yeah. similar to like the MDMA being the pathogen. Ketamine really just connects and you get that forgiveness and then that oneness feeling and just the love and the memories. Oh, oh so much. And I'm just so happy for people um, when I can tell that they are anti-therapy and are just <laughs> hoping to have something magical happen in the experience and then come out of it just with so much appreciation for the relationship and, and starting to work, like really work in therapy. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, right? And noticing the help and the noticing right that happens together the help of the therapist or of me like pointing things out because now we actually receptive they're they're yeah. willing to yeah. receive it yes right and just hearing them right like go like this and just feeling so grateful for the connection right and saying like oh my gosh i've never had this therapy experience right it's shifting everything and realizing that it's their openness to work and I always tell people this, the work is not what happens in the 45 minutes while you're journeying. It's about what happens after. Exactly. Yeah, and that's where a psychedelic is healing. You know, I with all therapists, because it's not necessarily that you're doing something different and better and different uh, a different type of therapy or modality. It's that they're actually open to receive it. They're listening and actually really their walls are down and they've connected with you and that safety and then just that love frequency all of a sudden they're just gonna yeah open up and just transform yeah yeah from my end as well i've noticed so much change in me due to this work as a therapist so yeah do you find you feel the energy you're more of a empath you know like you can well yeah you were saying that you can feel the energy i can feel my patients when they're walking in the room this energy and what state that they're in you know because we're so open to it now absolutely yeah and I think it's also my own work early on in the conversation. You had asked me about my own experiences. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I've had my own experiences, which I think is really important in our line of work. Like, how can I really feel confident and, and absolutely safe and confident taking my patients through this journey if I don't believe in it? Or, like, I've, I've never experienced it. Yeah. And have never experienced it, right? And I truly feel so. I've, yes, I've, I've done psilocybin, high dosage uh, trips, heroic dosage trips in the Netherlands, um, all legal. And, um, oh, yeah, the, the truffles, right? The, <laughs> the truffle, yeah, yeah. Go in, um, 
in retreat environments and group contacts. And I mean, yeah, it's just incredible. It's incredible what these medicines are able to offer. And ketamine, of course, I've done ketamine multiple times with different dosages just to experiment at different levels. And it is just such a magical process. Oh, it is. And I'm sure 100% of your patients ask you if you've done it too. That's just like the number one question that they have. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it just feels really good being able to enter each session with so much faith in the medicine. Like I feel 100% faith. No, me it. too. Right. I'm, I'm not afraid of bad trips. I have so much faith in the inner healer and in people being able to connect with themselves and get value. I have so much faith in people's wholeness and I, I genuinely feel that and believe in that. And that has you said that, yeah. That has transformed my 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 work overall. That I see people as much more whole than I ever have. Even if people have no intentions or can't afford doing psychedelic therapy with every patient that I work. I just have, yeah, this, I don't know, love connection or whatever you called it, right? Yeah. Well, your vibration has changed. You're at a higher vibration to be able to receive yes. and give. Yes. And I think, yeah, my sessions ever since the beginning of this work just feels so different. Well, and you can see the transformation from one session to the next. Yes. You know, I see my patients from when they walk in on their first infusion to their third, fourth, when you just see the the life back in their eyes. You know, just it's there and they're willing and open and just ready. And uh, it is so, so beautiful. Yes, it is so beautiful. And I'm so happy that at least so far I've seen it happen so quickly. Right? We always talk about the protocols that have been researched, right? And yeah. that oftentimes some um, get prescribed. But honestly, like, I don't wait until the sixth session. I see things change, you know, after. Oh, yes. First, the second, so much change right away. And it is, even if people feel that nothing happened, right? I still have so much confidence. And yeah, you wait. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. No, I've seen it. There, there, it doesn't always happen, but even after the first one, just being able, what's important is having that, you know, the setting intentions and having a pre-session. You know, we don't actually have a full therapeutic session, but you know, having like a mini, like 15, 20, 30 minute max where before going in makes such a difference, exactly. getting them set in and going into the space. Exactly. And that is why my ideal case is really taking the time to get to know someone, really being able to educate people on how to journey, really educate them on how to set intentions so that they understand that they are still steering the ship. This is not a magic pill coming in, doing the work for them, right? It's about us learning, right? And then taking this learning forward and continuing being curious. Oh, yes. yes. And then on all levels, right? Somatically, thinking, right? All all little things. So I try well, it all gets connected. It yeah, all the somatic, the body, the release. Yeah. I get patients screaming, crying you know, don't get scared out there. You know, sometimes it's just a release that they need. You know, if you cry and the person never cries, they're crying for everything they've had that's they've never cried about. And all the years that they've not cried, you have to release it. It gets stored, chronic pain, all these random diagnoses that people don't know what's wrong with their body. Exactly. You know? yeah. 
Yeah. I like to combine it with EMDR as well, which is quite mm-hmm. exciting. So I haven't done it while people are journeying. I don't do um, psycholytic dosages. So all of my dosages tend to be medium to high mm-hmm. for people to have deeper experiences. But yeah. And how do you administer? Is that like intramuscular? Do you have IV at your? Yeah, I only work with lozenges. So I don't have lozenges. A med- okay. I don't have a medical degree. So I only. Okay to administer lozenges in my practice. Okay. And do you prefer, and I'm curious, is MDR, EMDR more beneficial before a ketamine session or is it more beneficial after a ketamine session? Well, EMDR is a process that takes a little bit of preparation for people to understand it. So you cannot just apply it. As people are coming out, they need to understand the process. So I think um, it can go either way, but sometimes people ask me to start the process once they're in the ketamine protocol, and then at least sometimes I advise people to just stay then with the ketamine if they are not set up, because getting someone set up on, on EMDR can feel a little heavy. And so, especially like with people who, you know, come from being so heavy in the head and finally accessing themselves and, and being in a very emotional and aware space. I don't want them to go back to doing like dry exercises and now let's do this and now let's do that. So I'd rather keep them in the space. So if, yeah, so if um, people are interested in more trauma work and have that available, if they think that this is really something that comes up, I'd rather have it as part of the prep. Okay. Yeah, I have that they're ready to use it and be able to use it, utilize it, right? So as trauma comes up, you know, you have safe mechanisms, your calming tools, right? And you know how to work with it. Yeah, nice, nice. And some part of your specialty and on your website, you do talk about harm reduction. And I definitely want to, you know, kind of dive into that a little bit because that's why I'm here really is to educate and have everyone have safe, beautiful transformative experiences. So how do you support that in the harm reduction area in your practice? In multiple ways. So I curated and have put a lot of work into making information available for clients or for people who are interested in doing this work so that they can educate themselves and be able to understand the process, understand ketamine, understand what ketamine-assisted psychotherapy is, understanding that it's not a magic pill, it doesn't work for everyone, right? So I always encourage people to go through the material that is available so that they're able to ask informed questions. And I also advise people to spend the time forming a relationship even if it means spending a couple hundred more dollars and to not just rush into it because there are people who have really meaningful, deep experiences with lower dosages because they feel safe, because they're very clear on their intentions, they trust their therapist, they know what the space looks like, right? They feel like they've had the chance to really feel safe and prepared going into it. So that they don't need to have these high, high dosages to push themselves right out of their head and, and into it, right? So that is that is 
one aspect. I really believe in the prep work and I take that very seriously and I make sure that people are educated. Yeah, trust is definitely very important. You know, I experienced it with like certain patients that don't want to talk. They have that trust. And then once it gets when they're open and they do trust and they have the connection and it's just it, that's where it changes, you know, where they're you see they're not really making the changes for a second, third infusion. And it takes a while. And then coming into that fourth where they open up and they do trust and they do listen and they're sharing, that is where yeah. healing takes place. Yeah. And you see the work absolutely change, right? How do you see it with group? Because I know when you do have retreat spaces where you do um, ketamine, is that also with lozenges? It's also with lozenges. It's also with preparation time. It's with building community before the retreat to give people a chance to introduce themselves or post pictures or get a sense of the other people that they will be sharing the experience with, to ask questions, um, to reach out at any point, if there's any fear, if there's any unclarity on what their intentions are. Like, I really want to make sure that people understand how to frame an intention, how to really go into a journey or really understand that an intention is not just a wish for positivity or for some miraculous outcome, right? Like, oh, make me happy or show me happiness, right? But that it's always framed with us in the picture, with agency, right? It's not, oh, what, right? Um, show me happiness, right? It's like, no. What gets in the way of my happiness? What am I bringing to the table? What do I need to learn? Yes, what do I need to learn is always I, attention. I mean, yeah, because it really is just uh, open opening in a window into your subconscious mind of what's exactly, going on exactly. without you even driving, right? Exactly. So it's not asking, right, for these magical outcomes. It's understanding that we have to open ourselves up. Show me my anxiety. What do I need to learn about my anxiety? And Perfect. I, so I want to make sure that I understand people's intentions and that they're very clear on internalizing that and understanding, okay, yeah. that means that I might get an experience that is tough, right? Because I'm really going to look at what gets in the way of my relationship, what gets in the way of letting go, right? But that at the same time, they're understanding that they have an agency. Yes, they are always guiding. They're always lucid. Even though you may not understand what you're visually experiencing, you're always actually there and present. Yeah. So that's important in that. So that is important. I pay a lot of attention to music as well. Um, I teach people how to listen to music and how to have them guide it. I do a lot of um, yoga nidra or somatic exercises to oh, really beautiful. help people learn tools on the journey, right, to feel safer how to breathe, how to find their breath. Yoga Nidra, I love Yoga Nidra. Yeah, so on the retreat, we always, always do that too. Which is not actual yoga out there if anybody's listening. I mean, you can go on YouTube and yo and search Yoga Nidra. It's the most amazing meditation mm. and release of your body, just being there present, very present, and um, it helps to sleep, actually. It's a really good tool to yeah. help patients go to sleep. It does, yeah. I don't know how it's related, but when I do retreats and people do yoga nidra first, 
their journeys are twice as long as an individual without a long yoga nidra. Like sure, because they're in that deep state. They're already open and ready. ready. Yeah. You know, ketamine journey is usually 45 minutes, no longer than an hour. I've had people in like the whole group in it for like two hours, like not coming out. Oh, wow. That's interesting. I might have to try that before another session. Yeah, like really deep journeys. And sometimes even on like half the dosages, like sometimes people come in and they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even do the same level that I do an individual. And I just went somewhere completely different. But I think that's also the group experience, which which uh, is something that I'm really interested in in researching further, which is why I'm not just doing a retreat format, but trying to not just for a low fee affordability, but to help people really um, heal in community with the power of vulnerability, with the safety of the group, right? And and that whole group experience. Yeah. And go. No, we just started doing that too at uh, my clinic because normally it's private rooms, IV, you know, and we have before and after integration, but we started doing group because we have a, a lounge area. So we'll do four patients intramuscular with sound healing. And it just, that connection that they have with each other. In the beginning, I didn't think that that would be a great, thing for ketamine because it's so inward but it's been amazing for our patients they love it yeah they love it so we're just starting uh so my my co-worker and i so yeah so we have um this company country retreats and a lot of people are reaching out and are just really excited about the group work because it's not the one-time retreat format right it's the ability to share the group experience long term so do three four sessions with a lot of therapy around it with a lot of prep and share the the connection yeah Yeah, because it's hard people don't really have anybody that they can talk to when they're on ketamine right (laughs) who do they connect with so having that and sometimes in mental health it is loneliness lack of connection lack of community and having that all into one is therapeutic in itself even if you took out the medicine right Exactly, exactly. So all of that power combined with the medicine. Mm. Yeah, that's so wonderful. I'm sad that you're not uh, licensed to practice in Florida, maybe in the future, maybe for future retreats. Um, So yes, so if you're in Connecticut or in New York, she is uh, amazing. I've actually had people recommend or speak of of you and your your skills. So I know that uh, you're definitely uh, one to search out if you're looking for ketamine-assisted psychotherapy and all that. I'm very excited to meet you in person one day. I miss you at Microdose in Miami in Wonderland. I missed it. So next time, next conference. Exactly. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your kind words. No, thank you. I'll have your uh, website, uh, you know, the country retreats and Nikki Fall on, you know, our podcast introduction so everybody can reach out and and find you. Thank you. I appreciate it. No, oh, you're so welcome. You have a beautiful night. Thank you, everyone. And thank you. This is a wrap for this week's episode of Psychedelic Healing. Have a beautiful week. <laughs>